Hi there, and a really warm welcome to you. My name's Andy Morgan. I'm part of the staff team here at Chichester Baptist Church. And today we're going to be concluding our series in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, Gospel DNA. And so, so far, we have seen in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, the lame beggar is healed by Peter. Well, it was the power of the name of Jesus that healed him, wasn't it? Peter takes the opportunity to explain what's happened at Simon's Colonnade and preaches the good news. Peter and John are interrogated and put in jail as a result of healing the man and talking about Jesus. Peter and John are told not to talk about Jesus and the believers pray with Peter and John. We looked at that passage last week. And the final bit of Acts chapter 4 helps us have a little bit of an insight into the community life of the early believers. It was a counter-cultural gospel community and a counter-cultural way of living and doing life together. This little insight we get today shows us that they were a sharing community. I came across the story of Sid and Sadie, an older couple that worked on a farm and were brilliant at living simply and sharing. Sid decided to take Sadie out for a meal in their local town. And so they went to a restaurant and he ordered one burger, one portion of chips and one soft drink. They were great at sharing and so they had a sip of the soft drink each. Sid cut the burger in half, split the chips in half and started to enjoy his burger and chips himself. Others in the restaurant were a little bit concerned that maybe they didn't have enough money to have a whole meal themselves. And so someone came up and asked them if they would like them to buy them another meal. And they declined and said it was fine. They were more than happy to share. Sadie didn't start her meal at all and just watched as Sid enjoyed his half his burger and his chips. Still, the onlookers were concerned and they came up and said, are you sure you don't want us to get you another meal? What is it you're waiting for? Sadie had a big smile on her face on her face, and said, the teeth. She was waiting to share the teeth. Now we're going to think about sharing today, not sharing teeth, but we're going to think about the example of sharing that we see in the life of the early church as described to us by Luke at the end of Acts chapter 4. And I want to highlight three different ways of sharing that we see in this passage. They shared in one heart and mind. They shared their possessions and property. And they shared in their faith, particularly about the resurrection of Jesus. So first up, they shared in one heart and mind. Now, as we look around our world today, as we look around our country Today, we are incredibly far from sharing one heart and mind. And sadly, over the years, this has been the case for the church. In Acts chapter 15, later, we see that Paul and Barnabas are far from united. In many of his letters, Paul was writing to the early believers to tackle some issues of disunity, of not being in one heart and one mind. And yet we read in this passage that they were one in heart and mind. They were one in heart and mind. Verse 32 tells us that. 
Now, as a church, over the years, we have really valued our sense of unity. And I want to encourage us in this strange and difficult season that we find ourselves in, to keep on aiming and praying to share one heart and one mind, to share that sense of unity. In the DNA of a gospel people is being one heart and one mind. This was part of the promise that God had for his covenant people, for the people that he was going to restore for the people that today is the church. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 39, the Lord says, I will give them singleness of heart and mind. As is so often the case, the New Testament writer is using Old Testament language to show how God is fulfilling his purposes. And so how did they have one heart and mind then? Well, there's a few things we can note. It's interesting that they have been praying together and prayer has the ability to unite our hearts and minds. Communal, collective prayer has the ability, the ability to unite our hearts and minds. Their prayer was one that was focused on the mission of God. Verse 29 and 30 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal them and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In their believers' prayer that we looked at last week, it's focused on God's mission on God's kingdom coming. Now, I know many of you have joined in some of our online prayer meetings over this season, and they've been a really helpful way of staying united in heart and mind. Now, I know that's not possible for all of you, but I want to encourage you as we seek to be a community that is one in heart and mind, built around the mission of Jesus, that we find opportunities to pray together, because it helps us have that sense of unity and share the oneness of heart and mind that God's spirit can kind of knit together in us. The early believers, they were filled with the spirit. And earlier on in Acts, we can read some of the patterns that they got into. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to breaking bread and they were committed to prayer. Surely too, it was their adversity that kept them focused and sharing one heart and mind. John and Peter just released from prison for proclaiming the name of Jesus. Well, we don't know if all those that have come to Jerusalem for Pentecost were still there, were still in the city. But we do know that there was diversity among this group of believers and among the early believers. Joseph, who was known as Barnabas, was from Cyprus. And in Acts chapter 6, we come across both Hebrew and Greek Jews. Yet our passage tells us that they were one in heart and mind. There was diversity, there was different cultural backgrounds, yet somehow they had one heart and mind. And this surely is an aim for us as a church community. Diversity is great, is healthy, is a picture of God's global people. And with our diversity, even when we're scattered and separate at this time, may we still aim and pray and work towards sharing one heart and mind focused around the mission of Jesus. First thing they shared was one heart and mind. The second thing they shared was physically 
what they had, their property and their possessions. Tom Wright says, what you do with money and possessions declares loudly what sort of community you are. And the statement made by the early church was clear and definitive. Well, what was it? How, how were they with their possessions and their property then? Verse 32 says, No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And verse 34 and 35 says, There was no needy person among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What we read is remarkable, both in attitude and in action. The attitude of not claiming that any possession was their own would have been countercultural then as it is now. This doesn't mean property or possessions didn't actually belong to people, but that they were viewed as for the common good of the community. We can be so attached to our possessions that we forget that what we have is essentially on loan to us, been entrusted to us by our God. God's people have always been called to be generous and to be a blessing to those around us. 1 Timothy 6, 7 and 8 says, For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. One scholar warns of having an overly protective attitude to personal possessions, which expresses itself in a narrow view of fellowship and a lack of generosity. Now, this definitely wasn't the case for the early believers, was it, who shared so well that there was no needy person in their community. Now, this was the aim of God's covenant people. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 4 tells us that there need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. God's hope, God's design for his people was that they would share what they would have so that no one would be in need in their community. The result of the believers being filled with the Holy Spirit wasn't just great boldness to proclaim the gospel and signs and wonders following them, but a generous attitude and generous actions as well. They acted by selling what they had from time to time, meaning this wasn't always and this wasn't a law. Some even went as far as selling land and houses and giving to the apostles to, the apostles to distribute as they saw fit for those who had need. Can you imagine going through the offering bag and finding money from a house sale in it? Imagine the offering bag itself is a bit tricky for us, but to imagining the proceeds of a house sale, how remarkable, truly countercultural. This is what we see in the example of Joseph, who becomes known as Barnabas in verse 37, who sold a field he owned and laid it at the feet of the apostles. There is a challenge here for us as Christians today. But there's also an encouragement, for I know the generous attitude that our church has. Financial advisors are often surprised 
when they spend time with Christians looking at their spending, at the amounts that Christians give to the local church, the amount that they share, considering what they have is not their own, but to be shared with others. Money, property, possessions on loan from God. It's great there's a church that we can care for and provide for one another. A recent story of some young adults moving in together and basically having almost their whole house kitted out by gifts from the church. It's great that we can care for and provide for one another in our community and beyond that community as well. In a time when we're not gathered together, can I encourage you to keep looking out for those that might be in need of possessions, of resources that you could share with them? We can bless beyond our community as well because of the generous attitude and action of our church. We are able to give £2,000 recently to the emergency appeal in Beirut. We are able to support over the years the work of places like Food Bank. We are able to be a CAP centre. We are able to support the work of Heart Homeless Work in Chichester as well as many other missional organisations. We have been able to be generous with our time and resources and bless those in our community of believers as well as those further afield. This sharing attitude and action that we see in Acts chapter 4 is part of the gospel DNA and it's about more than just money. It's worth us asking God to search our hearts and see how we're doing in attitude and action when it comes to living counterculturally with our property and possessions recognising that what we have is essentially on loan from God and so we can be generous and sharing with what we have. Firstly, we saw that the early church shared one heart and mind. Secondly, we thought about how they shared property and possessions. And thirdly, they shared their faith. Verse 33 says, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. Firstly, I want to just encourage us to see God's hand here. This wasn't just about their hard work of witnessing. The power with which they're speaking comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 31. And it was God's grace that was powerfully at work in them. Sometimes we can kind of feel the obligation or the duty to be witnesses of Jesus. And it's important to take our responsibility seriously and to be intentional with the opportunities we have to share the gospel. But it's God's help. It's his grace. It's his Holy Spirit that are helping the early believers to share about their faith. Now Luke tells us that they specifically focus on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The resurrection, after all, is where Christianity falls or whether it stands. No resurrection, no saviour. But with the resurrection comes the good news of forgiveness and eternal life. Because Jesus lived, we can live. Because he defeated sin, we are no longer bound by sin. Because he rose again, we too will rise again and live with him forever. No guidance, advice or warnings was going to stop John and Peter and the early Christian community from sharing about the resurrection of Jesus 
sharing that Jesus rose again three days after having his side ripped open on the cross and blood and water flowing from it to prove that he was really dead. Perhaps as you listen to this, you're, le you're left curious, wanting to discover more about the resurrection of Jesus, the central event of humanity. Well, let me encourage you to read the account of Jesus rising again in the Gospels themselves at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Let me encourage you to think about the evidence because the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is strong. There's many helpful books that summarise and write about this. One is by Josh McDowell called The Evidence for the Resurrection. There are many other helpful books as well. But why not look into more of it? Because really, this is where the Christian faith stands or falls. And that's why the early Christian community were so keen to be sharing about the resurrection of Jesus. As for us believers, well, why don't we be a little bit like John and Peter and the early Christian community? Not always worrying about what is PC, what is culturally normal, talking about faith or not. Why don't we start some conversations? about the resurrection of Jesus. Ask what our friends and family and neighbours think about it. Share a little bit about the story of the resurrection, the evidence of the resurrection, the implications of the resurrection of Jesus. The early church lived counterculturally by sharing one heart and one mind. They shared their possessions and their property and they shared the good news about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. May we learn from them and may God unite our hearts and minds around the mission of his son, Jesus. May he teach us in attitude and action to be generous with what God has loaned us. And may his grace and his spirit help us to share about the resurrection of Jesus. God bless you this week.